Hello, good morning, Castleton Community Church. It is a pleasure to be with you this morning. I wish that I was sitting before you, um, but I'm glad that we at least get to meet virtually. So let me go ahead and pray for us before we get into today's scripture reading and in today's message. Dear Heavenly Father, God, I thank you for this Advent season. I thank you, Lord, that in the midst of all that has gone on this year, that we can come to the simple fact, Lord, that you sent your son to come and to dwell with us and to live with us and to save us from our sins and that every year we get to celebrate the birth of Christ. Lord, you have been consistent and I pray that as we look at your words today in the book of Philippians, that we would just walk away with understanding, God, who you are and how you strengthen and love your people. I ask that we would hear nothing less than your word, and I thank you, Lord, for all the things you have done, even in the midst of 2020. Be with us now. Help us, strengthen us, encourage us, and be with us now. We ask this, Lord, in your son's name. Amen. Today's scripture reading will come to us in Philippians 4, verses 10 through 13. We read, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you, re you revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I've learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low. I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I've learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. As we look at our scripture passage today, there's so many things that we could say. There's so many things that we could talk about. There's so many things that the Apostle Paul is telling the Philippians here and I just want us to, to today, in all of the beauty and all of the glory that Paul is saying, I just want us to focus on this central question. We will focus our entire time answering this question. How do we, like Paul, find contentment in this world? How can we, in a year of 2020, marked with pandemic with social distancing, with not being able to see each other's faces and hug one another, how can we honestly find contentment? How can we, in a year of racial issues where when we turn on the screen, we wonder, Lord, when will different people be able to reconcile and love one another? Or in a year of election and we have people divided more than they have ever been, or in these unusual circumstances, or in our loss of fellowship of not being able to have people over to our houses and to, to watch movies with them and to be able to laugh with them and to be able to meet um, as small groups. We ask this question for how can you and me honestly find contentment in this year of what 2020 has been. We will answer this simple question by looking at three main points in our text today. The first point is knowing how to be brought low. The second is knowing how to abound. And the third is trusting in the secret. 
So before we get into our text today, I just want to kind of give us just a brief overview of Paul's relationship with the Philippians and how he came into contact with them. We see that Paul first came into contact with the Philippian church on his second missionary journey. If you look in your Bibles, you can turn later into Acts 16, verses 6 through 40, and you see all that goes on while while Paul is in Philippi. You see here that Paul meets a woman named Lydia, and that Lydia has opened up her house towards um, believers there, and that while Paul is there, he is walking around, and there there is in fact a demon-possessed woman, and she's going around and saying that these men are telling the way of salvation. Now listen to this. Even the Apostle Paul, after several days, gets annoyed. In fact, he gets so annoyed that he tells the Spirit to come out of her. The only problem is that with the evil spirit, that men of the city were using her powers to fortune tell for profit. So now that this woman has been delivered, she can no longer help these men in getting profit. So what do they do? They take Paul and Silas and they bring them before the magistrates and then they are thrown into prison. It is after this that Paul, in typical Paul fashion, At midnight, as Acts 16 tells us, that him and Silas, while they could be sad about the circumstances, are in fact singing hymns. They're singing, and at midnight, we see that the Lord brings an earthquake, and all of a sudden, all of their bonds are loosed. The jailer who was watching over them thinks that the prisoners have escaped and goes to even take his own life. And yet Paul says, don't worry, we're here, we haven't gone anywhere. And then the Philippian jailer comes in trembling and asks this question, how can I be saved? And so many commentators believe that this Philippian jailer was in fact one of the very first converts in Philippi. So we see that there was a lot going on in Philippi when Paul was there. In fact, we even read later in Philippians 4, verses 15 through 17, Paul says this. He says, and you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help from my needs once and again. So we see that Paul and Philippi have this intimate relationship Paul thanks them later, and and the main reason why Paul writes this letter is to thank them for all of the ways that when Paul has been in need, that they have met his needs. And he wants to thank them for what they have done in bringing Epaphroditus. While Paul is imprisoned, he thanks them. Now that we know a little bit of the background of the book of Philippians, now let us turn to our first point of knowing how to be brought low. Paul says, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but had no opportunity. Not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I've learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low. Paul, while being imprisoned, thanks the Philippians for their gift, yet he lets them know that even in his imprisonment, He's not in need. I think many of us are asking so much, and and it plagues us, what is contentment? 
What is this? We hear people talking about it. We see it all throughout the Bible. What is contentment and how can you and me honestly have it? Biblical contentment can be defined as having all your needs met. And because of this, the content person truly has peace. We can understand contentment as that beautiful hymn says, it is well with my soul. How many of us find Paul's words strange and foreign to many of us? To be content in any and every circumstance? It seems that for for many of us, at least me, that it seems that even the minor situations where we find ourselves, where things aren't going our way, that it seems that our peace ultimately slips through our fingers. For the past four days, I have not had a phone and it has not worked. And you would have thought that something traumatic had happened, but simply my phone doesn't work. And it seems that I am stressed out to the max. It's amazing how the Apostle Paul can be at peace at such a time as this. He says in Philippians 1, he says that he's awaiting death. He doesn't know if he's going to be delivered. And where most of us would be running around frantically, Paul is in chains. And he says, I'm not in need. And in fact, in this very moment, I am content. Wow. Paul has not had an easy life. In fact, if you look at 2 Corinthians 12, verses 24 through 28, you, we get an autobiography of all of Paul's times that he has been in lack. Look with me when he says, Five times I received at the hands of the Jews 40 lashes less one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was adrift at sea on frequent journeys and dangers from rivers, danger from robbers, dangers from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers, in toil and hardship, through many a sleepless night, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure." Paul tells us that the first step for you and me in learning how to be content is not just being brought low, but it's knowing how to be brought low in a way where the shifting circumstances of life don't affect our inner peace. This word, being brought low, what it actually means is to know how to do with very little. Paul is saying, I know how to be in times where I don't even know if I'm going to be able to have bread to eat the next day. Perhaps this means, brothers and sisters, for some of us in 2020, that we have been unemployed. Perhaps there have been times where resources have been tied and you've wondered, how am I even going to buy deodorant? How am I even going to put food on the table? Perhaps 2020 has been a year where you have been brought very, very low. And like Paul, you have had to learn this lesson of how to get by with very, very little. 
Charles Spurgeon says, remember this, had any other condition been better for you than the one in which you are, divine love would have put you there. God knows exactly what he is doing with his people when he brings them low and when he puts them in times where they don't even know if they will have enough resources to eat for the next day. So Paul tells us that the content person knows how to be in a place where even his most basic needs are not met. And Paul says, my inner peace is not affected by these circumstances. Paul says he not only knows how to be brought low, but Paul says he even knows how to abound. Perhaps for many of us living in America, this is our greatest battle. Do we not see so many in our culture unable to listen to the psalmist as he says these words in Psalm 62.10? If riches increase, set not your heart on them. In the excess of money, of food, of clothes, of games, of pleasure, do we not at certain points and prosperity in our lives, find that perhaps we really don't need to trust the Lord that much. Perhaps in my intellect, perhaps in my skills, perhaps in my character, that it's actually been me that has provided all that I have. Paul says he knows how when he has more than enough, how not to let his heart set its contentment on those things. We need only to look at Israel and see that it was not poverty that made Israel forget God, but it was her abundance. We see this in Deuteronomy 8, verses 11 through 14, when God says this to his people. Take care, lest you forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments and his rules and his statutes, which I command you today. Lest... When you have eaten and are full and have built good houses and live in them, and when your herds and flocks multiply, when your silver and gold is multiplied and all that you have is multiplied, then your heart be lifted up and you forget the Lord your God. We must learn from many of us how to abound with excelling 401ks, with two income households, with two vacations a year. We must learn how not to hate these things. These things are a blessing of God. But we must learn how to live in such a way where when everything is going well, when our kids are taken care of, when we are feeling good, when, when we go to beds full, when we sleep on our warm, comfortable beds, how not to think in our head, this is my peace, or how not to be ruined by the good things that we have. So brother, sister, do you know how to be brought low? Do you know how to abound? Paul says these are the two lessons that any of us must learn if you and me are actually going to learn how to be content. And now we move to our third point where Paul tells us 
about the secret, about trusting in the secret. Paul now tells us in verses 12 through 13, he says this, he says, in any and every circumstance, I've learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. It's interesting, if we look at this word contentment, if we look about it, if we look at it in the original context, this word was used by Stoics, and you don't really need to know a whole lot about Stoics and all the things they believe, but I want you to listen to the very words of how the Stoics thought about contentment. Listen to these words and tell me if these words sound familiar to you at all. It is through his own inner possibility that this man becomes independent and sufficient unto himself. How many of us have been in a bookstore or have been on YouTube or have seen a book about 10 ways of how to unlock the best you, the one secret success to how you can be triumphant in today? We see that Paul is saying that in his own day, that contentment was known as the man who through his own strength, and through his own ability, was able to pick himself up and was able to rely on no one and was able to rely on himself. And yet, even in today's society, don't we hear the same message, this same message that you are all you need. You are great. You just need to unlock more of your own greatness. And what Paul is saying is that this does not work. You and me fail daily. And what Paul is saying is that there is a peace and there is a secret that is not in ourselves. And I think if you're like me, you're wondering, how is this contentment achieved? Paul is telling us that there is actually a secret for those of us perhaps Young adults, perhaps, maybe. There is a peace that surpasses us even in times of singleness where we're looking and we're saying, Lord, I have this desire. I long to be married. I long to start a family. I long to do that, Lord, but yet there is not peace in my heart. Lord, what is the secret that while I wait and while I pray and while I plead, what will be the foundation that will keep my heart floating above water and will provide the peace that I have? Because, Lord, it's not in me. Or for maybe some of us, it's in times of despair. Lord, I am so prone to depression. I'm so prone to anxiety. And Lord, it seems every day I wake up, I don't know how to even get by. Or for perhaps some of us, it's been the death of a dear loved one. And we're saying, God, I don't even know how I'm going to get through today. My peace is gone. I am destroyed, and God, I don't know how to be content where I'm at now. And Paul says that there is a secret for how you and me can get through all of the varying situations that you and me go through. Paul says, I can do all things through him who strengthens 
me. Paul says the secret is understanding the character and nature of God, of how he strengthens his people. We look at Genesis through Revelation and we see that God has been known to continually look upon his people and strengthen them beyond all measure. Look at Psalm 18.1. The psalmist says, I love you, O Lord, my strength. God, you're my strength. I'm not my strength. I can't do it. I am insufficient for the task. Or, or how about Psalm 28.7, when the psalmist says, The Lord is my strength and my shield. In him my heart trusts, and I am helped. My heart exalts. Or, or how about in the book of Revelation where it tells us that they overcame the devil by the blood of the Lamb. We see all throughout the scriptures that it's unifying this one theme. We are weak, we are insufficient, and we are unable to go and to walk into all that life throws us. When things go wrong, we, are, we tend to forget our God. And yet when things go well, we tend to think, ah, I'm okay. It is in both situations where we need the Lord God to strengthen us so that no matter if we are doing bad or we are doing great, that our heart is centered on something that is constant. One commentator says that Paul did not learn this lesson of contentment in a day, but he learned it throughout a lifetime of ups and downs. One need only to look at 2 Corinthians 12, verses 8 through 10, and we hear the Apostle Paul. This may be the most intimate place where Paul says, he didn't say he asked the Lord, but he says, three times I pleaded, I begged, I got on my hands and knees and I asked God, take away this thorn. And what lesson does Paul tell us he learned? He said that the Lord told him these words, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect and weakness. And Paul says similarly as he says in Philippians, for when I am weak, then I am strong. Brothers and sisters, our secret is a God who loves his people. This contentment does not mean that you and me will not have bad days. Paul says later, he says later in 2 Corinthians 4, we are persecuted but not forsaken. We are struck down but not destroyed. This contentment doesn't mean that we will just be emotionless and that life won't affect us, that tears won't come, that bad days won't come, that days of despair won't come. But what Paul is saying is that even in the midst of the worst of situations or in the best of situations, that for those who trust in Christ as their foundation, that even in the midst of it all, that we will be struck down, but we won't be destroyed. That, that phrase that so many of us say, 
if, if this happened, I don't know how I would get by that. For the Christian, we could say, even if that happens, I won't be destroyed. Even if that thing that I worry about, even if that tragedy, even if that suffering, even if that thing happens, Christ will strengthen me. He will be the one to help me. We learn from contentment that Paul was not a superman. Paul shows us that he was just a man who had to learn just like you and me. So the very thing that Paul talks about here in this text was not something that was just for the Philippians. It was not something that was just for Paul because he was an apostle. This thing of contentment was something that a normal sinner like Paul learned. And he's saying, Philippians, Castleton, and believers, this can be for us as well. Finally, Paul can rest totally in Christ because, as he says in so many other places, this world is not all that there is for us. He will say in Romans 8, 18 later, he will say, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. So, brothers and sisters, the prime foundation of Paul is not only the strength that God supplies for him, but it is also the fact that this world is not all that there is. So this is why the Apostle Paul can be beaten, he can be in chains, and you cannot subdue him because Christ strengthens him and he knows there is a day coming where even the worst things that he experienced, they're not going to be worth to be compared that the glory is to be, to be revealed. The greatest things that Paul ever enjoyed, Paul would say, it's nothing now to the glory that he has seen in Christ. Perhaps you are listening today and you don't know the Lord and you desire this peace. Uh, perhaps you're a student. Perhaps you're going through college. Perhaps you're 53 years old and you can say, I've never had a day or I've never been in a situation where ultimately peace has been with me, even in the best of times and even in the worst. I would tell you to look at Philippians 3 because there it's, that is where Paul says, I received a righteousness from God and I realized that I was a sinner. I would tell you, your greatest need is not that all of your hopes and dreams come true and that you learn to be content. I would say the first and greatest need you have is to be reconciled to a good and holy God. Once that need is taken care of, everything else comes later. Paul first says, after I knew Christ, everything else became as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing him. And it was out of me knowing Christ that peace flowed because he strengthened me in any and every situation. Let me finish with two things. Now, for those of us who have been following Christ for either maybe many, many years or perhaps maybe a couple weeks or a few short months, let us remember that to learn to be content in all situations is a very hard thing 
to do. I sit up here and look at this text and say, I want to be what this text says. I want in all situations to learn how to be content. Brothers and sisters, this takes time. Let us know that our gentle shepherd knows our weaknesses, knows the fact that we are prone to sin, knows the fact that we need him. Perhaps you will remember the song, you know, we are weak, but he is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me. Remember that. Believers, remember, this is not something that you are to leave today and pull yourself up and look within you. Remember, you don't work, but Christ does, and he loves to strengthen his people. Look towards Christ as he strengthens you. Remember him when you are brought low and you may be in times of economic hardship or you may be in any varying degree of any situation. Remember him when you go to bed tonight and you sleep and you eat dinner and you remember, God, the abundance that I have does not come from me, but it comes from you. And Lord, help me to remember you. I will finish with the words from this hymn. Jesus remains my joy, my heart's comfort and sap. Jesus obviates all misfortune. He is my life's strength, my eyes' delight and sun, my soul's treasure and bliss. Therefore, I will not let Jesus go from my heart and sight. Let us pray. Father, you have said many things and you did many things through the Apostle Paul. 2020 has been an unprecedented year. And so many of us are wondering, Lord, how, how, how can we be content? You told us in your word that in all situations that you are the secret, you are the anchor, you are the foundation, and that you are known for strengthening your people in all situations. Help us to remember that as we go into 2021. Help us, Lord, that when we find ourselves not yet content and wanting to be, help us to remember that you strengthen us. Be with us now as we remember your coming and help us as we look forward towards Easter, towards your death. Thank you, God, for all the ways you have taken care of us this year. And thank you, God, for your son and for your grace and your peace. We ask this all, Lord, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.